by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street, Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden, East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby, sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PNR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need, Route 15 in Walcott. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Bethel, Vermont. By Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust where one call does it all. Gregory Drive in South Burlington. And by the Kate Farm on Coburn Road in East Montpelier, where their plant sale is underway this weekend. Right now, here is the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joe. Hello. <laughs> well, Mother Nature has been gardening. I can tell you that. You know, I don't know if you weeds. knew. What's that? She knows how to grow weeds in my backyard. <laughs> I don't mind telling you. Well, I was referring to just the the blossom of all of the crab trees and apple trees and whatever the kind of fruit trees there are along the road. It's just uh, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I noticed the lilacs were just starting. They're coming. A lot of them are just that dark, dark before they blossom. But I noticed some here in Waterbury. They were starting. Starting to, starting to leave, starting to blossom. They're starting to lose little petals where I am on the <laughs> lake. So. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, in Waterbury, they're just starting to, and then up in Callis, well, uh, right in Montpelier, they're about the same as here, but up in Callis, they're just starting, just starting. Anyway, it's a, it's a, the, the scents are beautiful and very wonderful, and uh, Mother Nature is gardening, and, uh, so a lot of times Mother Nature gives us a um, a hint or a clue as to what and when, um, like, uh, you know, the, the old wives' tales when the, the maples blossoms or, or uh, buds are the size of a mouse's ear, it's time to plant your carrots. Uh, when the dandelions and, you know, come up, it's, to, it's time to start planting your potatoes. And, you know, all those old wives' tales are just as simple simple way to um you know to look at what's going on around you and actually uh plant uh, accordingly because uh the wisdom of those plants is just almost foolproof but anyway um I was, uh, we were talking about potatoes last week and all those things. So if anybody has questions about their spuds, um, it's just about time to put them in or it's past time. Uh, but anyway, from now until, uh, first or second week in June, you can, you can plant your potatoes. And so, um, one of the things that 
that I realized I was um, that uh, composting. We always associate composting with gardening. But with the new rules in the state, um, all of us, whether we're gardeners or not, have got to deal with composting. It's it's not just for gardeners anymore. And um, there's a lot of questions on on how to how to compost, why you compost. Of course, the the state rules really are have more to do with keeping the landfill, you know, saving space in the landfills. And uh, the secondary is, of course. Uh, you know, that's a renewable resource when you start composting your leftover kitchen scraps and uh, garden waste and stuff. So that's a, a, a renewable resource and one that uh, really shouldn't be wasted. Um, and so it is for all of us, gardeners or, or otherwise, is to, to learn how to compost and learn how to avoid problems, how to fix problems when they happen. So if any of you have a question about how to compost, give me a call and, uh, we can, we can learn and share, uh, share techniques and tips together. Now, um, I would say that uh, the, uh, my recommendation is to get yourself a compost bin, and there's all kinds of compost bins. Whether you, you know, at, at uh, a lot of our uh, sponsors, there's compost bins. Um, I like the things that make a good compost bin. Of course, is that it's completely enclosed. It's got a, a lid that you can secure because the raccoons will uh, will open them up and and trash everything that's inside. And so it's a, a good idea to start anyway with a compost bin. And uh, the plastic ones that you can get are last uh, a, a really long time. I've had some of mine for, oh, goodness, uh, maybe 20, 30 years. The biggest thing that destroys those bins is, is the bears. And that's one of the problems that we have to, to work with as composters uh, is the um, – the, uh, keeping the the critters out. But anyway, uh, if you start with a bin, now some people like an open bin, sort of like made out of wooden slats and stuff, but I like to have a cover on, um, on the bin, and a lot of that really has to do, um, one, with uh, trying to keep it from getting waterlogged, and two is to try to keep the the neighbor dogs out. I, I have spoken to many an irate neighbor who says the dog is dragging stuff back from the compost bin or eating it and up chucking in there, you know, on the living room floor and that kind of thing. So to keep the peace in the neighborhood, I think it's a really good idea to make sure there's a cover on that bin. And uh, so even if you're building a wooden one, you want to make sure you have some sort of a cover on even the the, the wooden one. Uh, so um, the what you're doing is you're creating. Well, you know, you can kind of think of uh, the the best example of composting is uh, probably Mother Nature. You know, when you go out into the forest, right? There's there's the um, there's a perfect compost bin. The whole you know the whole forest floor is composting stuff. And so, what happens there is basically one layer on top of another layer on top of another layer on top of another layer. And that's basically what you want to do. Now you can be um, 
the the concept that uh, that probably gets people uh, scratching their head the most is the greens and browns, more or less. The greens are your sort of high nitrogen stuff, and your browns are your well, your brown stuff like uh, uh, straw or or, or um, hay or uh, leaves, uh, oak or maple leaves, whatever you have. Um, even peat moss is uh, is a brown. So. You have what they call the the carbon nitrogen balance, and the the basic principle there is that you want to have um, uh, more of the carbon, the C, um, more of the the browns than you do the nitrogen. And I've read different ratios of you know one to three and one to ten, and um, you know your compost bin is going to tell you what it needs uh, after a time. So when you're uh, when you're making your compost bin, you want to make sure that you have handy, um, uh, you know, a trash can full of leaves or uh, peat moss or dried uh, leaves or um, you know anything like that to sort of balance out the the kitchen waste. The cr- kitchen waste is your greens or your the waste from the garden. Anything that is green or leafy or you know those kinds of things so that that's kind of the your greens. So if you have a a gallon of um of compost, green stuff from uh, from the kitchen and you spread that around over the top of your pile, then you want to you want to do at least 3 to 4 times that amount of the browns. And what that does is it keeps it from, it keeps it aerated and it keeps it from becoming, um, stinky. You know, when there's not enough air in a compost bin, that's when they start to smell like uh, manure. And that's not a, a terrible sign or anything like that. It's just something that you can adjust pretty easily. Um, it does mean that your pile has has uh, become anaerobic, more or less. It is without air. It's it's decomposing without air, and that's that's where the uh, that's where the stinky comes from. So as you're composting, if you notice that's a problem, you know, you want to aerate the pile, you can do that, uh, oh, with just a garden fork, or um, you can take uh, some straw, some dry straw, and mix it in, or dried leaves, or peat moss, mix it in. You don't really have to turn it so much as just kind of stir it around, you know, like a like the soup pot. You just sit there and, you know... And stir it up so that you get more air in the pile. Now, if you go to, I've been to a couple commercial sites where they make compost, and one of the things that I was surprised the first time I went was they actually have these big, big blowers with about a, oh, probably a six, maybe even a ten-inch pipe that runs right through into the middle of the pile and blows air on it. Okay, and that helps to you know accelerate the decomposition. And uh, so that same principle is in your compost bin is uh, to, you know, go ahead and and uh, add the browns, which helps to aerate stuff. And uh, so those are, we're starting with the bin, and then we're going to go for layers. Okay, once you have that bin set down in your yard, right, um, I like to just kind of uh, take a shovel or a fork and turn over the, the soil uh, so that the soil underneath is loosened up. And then you put down any kind of, uh, uh, brown trash that you have, sort of like, uh, you know, sticks that maybe you've, um, 
maybe you've raked out of the your garden beds or you know the the dry leaves or for that matter just straw if that's what you have and that's that kind of is uh, gives you your your starter in a sense and then you can throw a couple shovelfuls of um of regular old dirt in there or go get some from your garden and that'll inoculate it enough. Now, I know you can buy a compost inoculators and, uh, you know, sure, if you want to give that a try, I think that's great. But um, <clears throat> the the way, the most natural way is, of course, is just dig up the soil a little bit or throw a little soil on the, on the top of your, that bottom layer. From that point on, then you just start with the, the layer of the greens, the layer of the browns, the layer of the greens, the layer of the browns. And uh, for my garden, I have 50 four-by-four beds, and there's two of us and sometimes four of us, and we try to uh, grow as much as we can out of the garden. It's not a big garden by any, res- any respects, but it's... Um, you know, it's it's um, it is very productive. So for that garden, I have about five working bins. Okay, sometimes I take a bin and I put it right on one of my four by four beds, put it right there on the bed, and start the compost pile. And so anything that is decomposed and sort of rinses down through, it rinses right down into the bed. That's a really nice way to enrich your beds is to take one out of production and go ahead and use a compost bin for that. Joel, should we take a break now? You want to well, do that, that now? Well, that sounds like or? a good idea. And we should also remind our listeners that the uh, telephone lines are always open at <coughs> 244-1777. That's 244-1777, the 802 number. And uh, the toll-free, which is um, 877-291-8255. That works as well. And our program brought to you by many fine local businesses, and I certainly hope that you do patronize these places. And when you mention, when you stop in, mention that you are listening to In the Garden with Peter Burke. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. Did I tell you about the, the, the peregrine falcon that was eating a mallard at my wife's office? Oh, my goodness, no, no. No, they heard this great big crash, you know, as something yeah. hit the window. They thought they couldn't figure out what. When they went into the bathroom, look out the window, there was this peregrine falcon feasting on a mallard. Oh, my word. It was right in Barrie, right in the middle of Barrie, just near the, you know, um, Thunder Road there. And, uh, they, you know, they were all sort of wondering, uh, how does it happen, you know, that, <laughs> but, uh, apparently there's a lot of ducks up in the quarries there because there's a lot of fresh water up in there. 
And uh, anyway, the peregrine falcon, uh, um, you know, caught this one mallard and wrestled them down. And in the process, they slammed into the the window in the wow. bathroom. Wow. Of course, uh, all the ladies were horrified because, you know, there's a peregrine falcon literally picking away at this bird, you know. And, uh, I'm going to I'm going to get I mean I know I'm going to get a call by saying this, but uh, in New York City they have they had a well probably a number of them, but uh, falcon cams. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh or uh at any rate um they were they With were what they were watching the this bird uh you know raise its young. Uh-huh. Maybe it was maybe it was for a hawk. I I, I forget what. But anyway, so might have been the peregrine hawk. falcon because yeah, I know they they imported them for the for the pigeons. Yes, at, at any rate, uh, the, people didn't seem to mind when they brought a big when the uh, mama or uh, brought a big juicy pigeon for the kids yeah, for the little yeah, yeah. Ch- chicks to eat. Yeah. But uh, there was just a wave of phone calls when. Uh, they brought a couple of little kittens. Oh, <laughs> and no. I, would have, I would have been one of them, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, <laughs> the horror. Yeah, but this, really. This is, but this is nature, you know. Yeah, it, it's true. You it's know? true. You can't you can't fight that part of it, you know. And you know, I think mm-hmm. about you know when I think of oh god, I would hate to see yeah. my cat you know hurt yeah. in any way. But yeah, then, absolutely. When my cat finds a mouse, so she's not very kind. She's not very kind. <laughs> yes, they play with them first. They always the, play with the, them. This is this is nature. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I set us off on a completely different. <laughs> well, you know, it might, uh, you know, we accept phone calls on any topic related to garden, <laughs> and pest control is one of them. You know, I, <laughs> well, that's true. I, I tend to like the animals, and I share. But yes, I'm, you do. I'm worried already this year. Well, last yeah. year, remember, I, I was the first to bring up the fact that there were more chipmunks than I had ever yep. seen. Yep. You know, and then suddenly it actually became a news story. Uh, it absolutely more chi- more chipmunks. Than ever, yeah. This year, I have seen more giant rabbits. Oh, the little ones that scoot around and cross yeah. the street, and you yeah. almost hit them. Yeah, but these guys, you know, I mean like a hare, right? A hare, yeah. yeah. It's a huge. It, it's uh-huh. big. It's like almost the size of a raccoon. Oh yeah, that's definitely a hare. Then. And they're they're in my backyard, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm afraid <laughs> to send the dog out to chase them because they might chase the dog. You know? <laughs> I know. I I it, I don't let the dog out where we are in Montpelier because we were sitting there looking out the back window, and there was the largest porcupine. I have ever seen. My word. It yeah. was like uh, the size of a good-sized dog, yeah. you know, just lumbering along with all that back fat and the, all oh. the needles and stuff, just oh. sort of swaying back and forth. And uh, he, he must have been fairly old because he was a monster size. Wow. I've never seen a porcupine that size. Well, they're out there, and there are pl- there's plenty of food, and yep. you know, and if, yep. some of them don't have. You know, uh, locally, you know, uh, pre- local predators, and I've seen some get get very, very big. But, uh, yeah. If you, but I, my, my my advice, if you really, if you love your 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 kitty cat, don't put them out. <laughs> but, especially in Colchester, I've seen foxes and everything running around. Oh there. yeah, uh, we yeah. lost a cat to a fox. You yeah, know, for so. sure. But the um, so that sort of reminds me of one of the problems you have with a compost pile is you know not just the neighbor dogs <laughs> and that you know that can be really bad so you keep it covered. But uh, my uh, my son's girlfriend uh, got a three compost bins. Uh, they were on sale, fifty bucks a piece, Ooh. and so that was a a, a good sale through um, 
through one of the recycling places. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, the point is, is that we started to fill up one of them. And uh, yesterday when I was walking the dog, I noticed that there was all dug up on the front side. You know, somebody was burrowing in there trying to get at the food that was in there. So you will find um, my the chipmunks and squirrels mostly were were out at our place. They're the ones a little bit smaller. But on several occasions, we've had the bear come right down, and the bear just sort of knocks it over, just completely knocks it over. And it, once in a while, it's completely ruined, you know, depending on how hard he hits it. And uh, you just, you know, mostly have to chalk that up. Um, uh, and and if that's a problem, I would probably change locations for a little while, put it in a different spot, and um, yeah, I I, un- I certainly agree with having a, co- a covered version. Mm-hmm. No bears out in Mallet mm-hmm. Bay where yeah. I live, but uh, the word has gotten out among the raccoon population. There's a <laughs> daily buffet available, you know, at, at such and such an address. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they probably are out there taking reservations. That's you know? right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> the Nashman household always at five o'clock, or <laughs> the Burks. He's out early at seven yeah. in the morning. Yeah, so <laughs> that, that, that has to be a covered one. But I'll, I'll let you know when we see bear. Number one, because yeah, I, well, as I you know, you I have all my bird feeders out there, and uh, yeah. and uh, I don't yeah. mind sharing with the squirrels and uh, and uh, chipmunks. But my goodness, yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen anything bigger than the raccoons. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's that's good. That's good. Now the raccoons usually. Um, Usually just a piece of duct tape to hold down. That'll pretty much do it. Some people use a brick, but sometimes they they can work the brick right off the top. Uh, The tape works better from my experience anyway. Yeah, I use use bricks on top of uh steel. This is for just storing the bird seed on Uh the deck in 50-pound bags. So I put them in a... In a silver, the, the old metal garbage galvanized can. kitchen yeah, can, yeah, yeah, yeah right. right, galvanized, gotcha. you know, garbage can. They mm-hmm. don't see those anymore with yeah. uh, dumpsters and and yeah. things. And uh, but I, I just can't fit the the top on tightly. They'll open it. Yeah. And I, so I put four bricks on the top of mm-hmm. each one, and I've got mm-hmm. six for all different kinds of seeds. Yeah. At any rate, uh, in the middle of the night, in addition to the occasional bird serenade, mm-hmm. I'll hear this huge clunk on the deck, <laughs> and one of them. Has successfully knocked one of the bricks off. You know, <laughs> they are they are persistent they without say, a doubt. Know, they have to. You know, I don't. So I I probably told this story before, but my dad was get fed up with the raccoons getting into the garbage at our house, right? So he he said, "I'm going to outsmart this raccoon," right? And he sets up a battery with a metal plate underneath the thing and a couple of leads, right? So the next morning you hear this hollering and yelling. My dad had forgotten that the garbage man was coming <laughs> the next morning. <laughs> it took, it was weeks and weeks and all kinds of phone calls to get them to come back. He had to apologize. And <laughs> so <laughs> be careful you know, what traps you set. It's like the electric fence. You know. it, it, interestingly, uh, interestingly, the uh, lady down the road has horses mm-hmm. and she has this flimsy little electric fence and I said, does that really keep the horses in? And she said, and I don't even plug it in anymore. Oh, really? when, they, when, when they first discovered that it was electrified, they backed off and they oh. never go back. Oh. And she told me the story that in India, where they have elephants, yeah. when, when the elephant is little, 
Mm. They will tie it to a, a stake. Yeah. And the elephant is, is, is tethered there and, and can't move. Mm-hmm. But you also see giant full-grown adult elephants tethered to a similar small stake. Mm-hmm. They somehow have learned that I can't pull this up. Oh. And they still don't do it. But if they... If they, if they really wanted they to. really wanted to. Yeah, right, right. They could, but uh, <laughs> at any rate... Uh, yeah, blow this joint. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that's the case with uh, electric fences in my neighborhood. Oh, Lordy. So, um, uh, back to compost. Oh, we got a, in fact, we have a caller right oh, now. Oh, well... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it could could be an electrician. Who knows? Let's, see. Let's go. And you you are the first in the garden today. First well, name in town. You might hang up on me. No, no way, laugh. Nola. So this is You're Nola. welcome. What's up? And I'm calling on behalf of the bear. Oh, there you go. And and also because I have some interesting news regarding pest control. Huh. But uh, so let me tell you about the pest control, and then courtesy of my good friend Robert Frost, I'd love to share with you a poem he wrote called "The Bear." Okay. <laughs> and you better be ready for it. It's a little bit longer than most. It's uh, <laughs> three okay. lines long. But in light of my greenhouse problems with the grasshoppers, which have not touched me yet, I haven't seen any signs. Mm-hmm. And in light of what I shared last week, the uh, Grasshopper control is on its way, but back since early April, since the seeds I planted were pushing up through the ground, I've been spraying daily garlic barrier Mm. around the greenhouse to the point where if my husband walks in after work, he'll go, (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) but it's been great. I haven't seen my mole friends at all. Um, and I haven't seen any, I mean, they're probably all out there right now scheming, <laughs> but it seems like it's helped a great deal. So I share that with everyone else because it's not that expensive. It, that's something that you buy, the garlic, garlic berry? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a concentrate, it's basically just garlic, oh. but it's, you know, concentrated with water and then you recon- uh, yeah. rehydrate it with more water and spray it. Uh-huh. Okay. And, um, you know, there's no harm to worry about in it seems to be making a difference, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, well, good. Um, I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, check it out. It's good stuff. And like I said, no harm done to anybody. Yeah. Unless you don't like the smell of garlic. Okay, (laughs) so this is a great poem about the bear. And it's written through the eyes. Of the bear. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say. All right. Don't fall asleep. No, we're ready. We're ready. The bear puts both arms around the tree above her and draws it down as if it were a lover, and its choke cherry lips to kiss goodbye, then lets it snap back upright in the sky. Her next step rocks a boulder on the wall. She's making her cross country in the fall. Her great weight creaks the barbed wire in its staples as she flings herself over and off, down through the maples, leaving on one wire tooth a lock of hair. Such is the uncaged progress of the bear. Mm. The world has room to make a bear feel free. The universe seems cramped to you and me. Man acts more like the poor bear in a cage, all day, um, that all day fights a nervous inward rage, his mood rejecting all his mind suggests. He paces back and forth and never rests. 
the toenail click and shuffle of his feet, the telescope at one end of his beat and at the other end the microscope. Two instruments of nearly equal hope and in conjunction giving quite a spread. Or, if he rests from scientific tread, tis only to sit back and sway his head through ninety-odd degrees of arc, it seems, between two metaphysical extremes. He sits back on his fundamental butt Mm. with lifted snout and eyes, if any shut. He's talking about us right now. (laughs) He almost looks religious, but he's not. And back and forth he sways from cheek to cheek, at one extreme agreeing with one Greek, at the other agreeing with another Greek, which may be thought but only to speak a baggy figure equally pathetic when sedentary and when peripatetic. <laughs> anyway, go bears. <laughs> the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities, yeah. for sure. That's uh, great. Thank you, Nola. That, well, thank uh, you. And let's, it's like summer today in Ripton. It's in the 70s. It's yeah, I know. Uh, driving over here was a real treat. There's so many things in bloom. Now, how about you? Do you have uh, lilacs blooming there? No, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, not okay, yet. so you're week. more like what, where we are in Callison. Yep, this week the shadbush bloomed. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the hobblebush bloomed. Okay. Which makes it more tolerable to be around when you're walking through the woods. <laughs> you all know about hobblebush, right? Uh, no, I'm not that familiar with okay, hobblebush. Well, I'll share this and then I'll get out of your way. But mm-hmm. it's a... It's a native Vermont plant. It's an understory bush. Okay. It is a bush. It only will grow, well, we've seen some that are five or six feet tall, but they grow uh, in congregations, so to speak. And whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, their root system is barely under the ground. Hence, when you're walking, if you mm-hmm. don't lift your legs mm-hmm. like you're in a marching band, mm-hmm and you're walking through a hobblebush area, mm-hmm. there's a good chance that you will soon be studying the roots. <laughs> um, so, but it's a beautiful. When they're blooming now, it's like a wedding in the forest with all those beautiful white flowers. Yeah, yeah. And they get their red berries after that. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Anyway. Well, I'll have to look that up. I wonder if we have something. I just don't recognize them. I saw some uh, of the white, I think they call them the French lilacs, Mm. And they were literally 25 feet tall. They were the tallest uh, uh, lilacs I've ever seen, uh, just as you're coming into uh, into Waterbury. Cool. Remarkably tall. Mm. But, uh, yeah, if you have your windows down, you get a nice scent of all the different blooms. And, of course, my wife says, uh, roll the windows up, turn the air conditioning on. The pollen's no, no, killing no. me. <laughs> all right. Well, um, here's two good bears in good gardens and um, yep. and good work. Yep. Do a good job. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. Thanks, Nola. Thank appreciate it. Th- thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Nola. Well, let's see. Yeah. We've got another caller on another the line, caller. and uh, we're going to go straight into it. Okay, uh, great. Your first name in town, please. Uh, Stephen in Montpelier. Hey, Stephen. How are you? Good. What's up? I have a question for. I I know the answer, but I have a question that you might be interested in. Okay. Do you know why lilac trees are all around the old foundations in Vermont? Uh, no, but it's it's certainly a a, a phenomenon I have seen even out uh, out in Callisway. Old foundations almost always seem to have a lilac. 
And so, you want to know the answer? Yes, please. In the old days, in the 1800s, yeah, they believed that the sweet smell of lilacs would scare away the devil. So they always planted lilac trees around houses. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, well, it certainly attracts me, so I guess I'm not a devil after all. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> no, it's anyway, perfectly that's, that's enchanting. That's, that's, you know, it's a, a fable, but yeah. Yeah, well, you know, any excuse to grow the lilac, I I say. And if that's what you need is uh, sort of like wearing garlic and having garlands of garlic around you, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's fine with me. Um, yeah, the, there uh, we have some um, some bluebells uh, in just on the other side of the driveway. And when they come in, the fragrance is so overwhelming. It's a lot like lilacs in that way when when they come. But they're just little flowers, you know, tiny little flowers that don't grow much more than oh, six inches or so tall. But they're just as fragrant as a lilac. It's a real treat. Is this in Callis? Yeah. Yep. Oh, so you're going to have a new um, general store in a few months. Yeah, East Callis. I, I just uh, heard on the um, uh, Rick St. Gary's show there, they were talking right. about they had done a, and we actually... Mark uh, Mahali is the head of the yeah the organization. Yeah, yeah. It's great. You know, uh, we did something similar to that in Maple Corners. Um, the uh, the Maple Corner store was... Uh, the co-op. Uh, is now more of a co-op than it is a, a store, but it's... Uh, yeah, they did the similar thing, and uh, that's great. That's great. Anyway, we're going to have a new store. <laughs> yes. All right, Stephen. Thanks for the call, and I appreciate that. And thanks for the the little bit of information. I like that. The old time lore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you later. All right, and then we have uh, Rick and Starksboro. Should we take that before? Okay, we can break after. Rick? Hey, uh, Peter. Hey. How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm Rich. good. Um, um, I was calling about the, your compost and the bears. Um, yeah. We put an electric fence around ours. We haven't had any trouble since. <laughs> we've, had them, we've had them destroyed. We have uh, we got three three strings around. One first one's about eight inches. Next one's about six inches above that. The other one's about six inches above that. Okay. So three wraps of wire. So and when we, lay down a, when we lay down a compost, we lay down a four-foot square of quarter-inch hardware cloth. To, oh, yeah. The rodents are digging up through. To get down, yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, now I've got the question. Yeah. You've always talked about having starting the season with uh, a shorter trellis and then ending the season with a longer trellis. Now, oh, okay. I get the idea of... I get the idea of putting couplings on the conduit and mm -hmm. adding on, mm -hmm. but I was wondering, do you do you start with the with the uh, climbing material, the fabric or the plastic mesh or, or you know string mesh, yeah. the full height, or you put two pieces on when you extend it? No, Rich. I, I, somehow I've given you the wrong impression. I have a I have a my standard uh, trellis is made with. Uh, Two five three five foot pieces of the um, the half inch conduit, and the mm -hmm. one five foot piece I bend 
so that it's 46 inches long and has whatever is left for the bed. It's usually about 9, 10 inches. So the combination of the two makes it almost 6 feet tall. But I found okay. that a lot of my things like cherry tomatoes and uh, pole beans and, you know, a lot of things grew outgrew that. And so I'd had this mass of, of pole beans at the top that would fall over and then it was hard to get into. So mm-hmm. I decided to add two feet to that. And so now all of them are eight feet and they're eight feet right from the very start. And they stay oh, okay. in the ground all, all winter long um, for okay. the most part. Okay, so okay. so as soon as I make that, what I do is I take a piece of the uh, the fencing, the two by three fencing, and and if it it can be either just the plain galvanized welded stuff, or it could be the vinyl coated green stuff, and that's that's a little thinner wire, but it still works as well. And I cut that uh, about four inches longer than whatever the trellis ends up to be, and I pinch the two inches around the half inch. Um, uh, conduit pipe, and that's all it needs okay. to stay up. It'll stay up. So, I'll, in in the case of where they were six foot, I used to use two three foot pieces, and now that they're eight foot, I use two four foot pieces, and okay. so they stay on right through. Oh, okay, I always thought you you extend it once stuff gets bigger and. You got to go higher. Okay. Yeah. No, I I, I did extend them, but I extended them permanently so permanently. that they were always yeah. eight feet. So even when I'm doing a, a three, f- you know, the um, your garden peas usually don't grow much more than you know forty forty two inches. You know, three foot six. But the the other peas, the the sugar snap, they'll easily go all the way to the eight foot, no problem. And that yeah. way. Uh, you know, that way I get the most production out of them. I don't have to worry about them falling over and kinking and all that other stuff. So, yeah, I've gone to eight foot trellises on, on all of them except a few that I haven't got to yet. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm about to make a new one. I was wanting to yeah. make sure I do it right. I guess I, I yep. got, got it better explained to me now and I got a better understanding. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry. Use I, a ladder to, use a ladder to pick them, do you? Or uh, you yeah. Yeah, probably <laughs> for some of them. I mean, I'm six yep. something, and I can usually reach the top. But uh, yeah, when they really start to get right to the very tip top there, then I'll, I'll get a step stool and and uh, go up a couple steps, not too far up, and that's usually plenty yeah. of, plenty of height. Yeah, so, I'm using five. My latest ones are five footers. Yep, and yep. Know. And that's a good size for a lot of things, but uh, if you like cherry tomatoes the way I do, and you like pole beans, and if you like those sugar snap peas, they will absolutely go. And the other one, that trombone zucchini, that would definitely go all the way to the top and uh, mm-hmm. of of an eight foot trellis. And yeah. most, just you know, over time, I've learned that the, the five foot trellis, just really six foot trellis isn't enough for those particular things. It's okay for some things, but, you know, uh, since I rotate everything, I wanted all the trellises to be the same height, so I didn't have to worry about, well, this trellis I can use and that one I can't, and, you know, so I just added two feet to all of them. 
Sure. And snow peas will go just as high as the snap peas, too, right? Because that's... Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Right, good point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, snow yeah. peas are they'll, they'll grow right to the unless you get a dwarf variety, but um, right. I I don't. I usually get the, I'll take as much as they can give me from that one spot. Why not? You know, why not get more production out of them? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much, Peter. I appreciate it. Sure, Rich. Yeah. Sorry, I gave you the wrong idea there, but that should clear it up, huh? Yeah, sure does. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate that. And then we have uh, Lawrence in Marshfield. Hey, Lawrence, how are you? Hey, hey Peter. Hey, Joel. <laughs> uh, just, just a quick thing on the hobble bush. Yeah. It's uh, uh, it's in the viburnum family, and uh, it's uh, uh, a local name is Woodsman Toilet Paper. Woodsman. <laughs> Toilet paper. <laughs> You're kidding me. No. Because of the leaves. The leaves are fairly large, anywhere from three to eight inches, and they're kind of roundish, and, and they serve a purpose that's self-explanatory. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Uh, no. You just, you gotta love it. We get some, <laughs> the and, best information out here. And, uh, and that suggests to me that poison sumac would be known as unhappy with me. <laughs> yeah, watch a poison ivy, right? <laughs> Good thing they don't have big leaves. <laughs> Isn't there a song about that? <laughs> I, 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 I would imagine so. And if it exists, it's, uh, it's in the boss's pile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, did you say we had a phone call? Karen. Hey, Karen, how are you? Are you with how us? How are you? Yeah, good. From, is uh, that Hague, New York? That's the Hague in New York. All yeah. right. Well, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to Vermont. <laughs> right, right. Well, we've spoken a couple times before. Yep, I, I, yep. I you had the beds, right? I, you... I figured you'd know New York by now. <laughs> <laughs> so, what can, uh, what's up? Quick question about, I started some uh, winter squash plants. I've yeah. never done that before, and they're, they're up quite a bit in, my, in their little flats, uh, uh-huh. six, eight inches maybe. I even had to transplant a couple to a deeper container. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm wondering, and we've, you know, we've had nice warm days for about a week, and uh-huh. the nights have, have been getting down maybe in the 40s. Sure. Um, you know, so I know there's still a possibility of uh, dropping, of but frost, it, yeah. it, would it be safe to put out these winter squash plants? I'm not Sure there. Well, the short answer is no, um, you oh. know, because the last last frost, um, but, you know, there's a but there. Um, if If you can easily, if you don't have too many, you can easily protect them if you if we get a cold snap. You know, you can put, uh, you know, like a one-gallon uh, milk jug, cut out the bottom and put that on right. top of it and maybe right. even throw a blanket on the top. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you don't have too many, uh, if, you're, if you've done a row of 20, then it gets a little more difficult. You'd need a, right. you'd need a row well, cover. You know, you need no, just a hoops. few or just a couple of hills I'm yeah. planning on planting. Yeah, so. yeah. and uh, just a note for next year, you're, you are a couple weeks early. Today yeah. is the day you should be putting the seeds in the pot. 
you want to plant them, start them so they're about two weeks old when you put them in the ground after the frost. So you can put those in the ground. You shouldn't do it much before Memorial Day and even a week Mm -hmm. after is fine because uh, they're affected by the soil temperature. It's Even though there's a problem with the frost, there's also you have to consider the soil temperature. And if the soil temperature is only 50 or 55 right now, it it can set them back. Um, Okay. So, uh, but with the size they are, I can see why you'd want to get them in the ground and then just protect them. But Mm -hmm. consider this, right? When you plant those, right, go ahead and plant some seeds out there and Mm -hmm. sort of hedge your bets a little bit. Because if you plant those seeds, um, if your other ones don't take and don't do well, well, you've got some more coming and you have plenty of time to, for them to grow. Right. Okay. Okay. Good idea. All right. And All right, thank you very much, and I'll, you know, I guess I got a little anxious this year. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know you're not the only one? I sat in a friend's house, and they had a zucchini that was probably eight inches tall. Uh-huh. And uh, I, uh, you know, I started to say something, and I thought, oh, what the heck, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't blame them one bit. I can understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they're listening. And that's, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. I, yeah. I lo- love your advice. Oh, well, thanks for the call, Karen. I appreciate that, too. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to be cooped up in the in the house for so long, not to get a little over-anxious with everything, you know. But, uh, you know, you're just as well off to, to wait just a little bit. We were looking at our potatoes this morning and decided, well, next week is fine. They're starting to green up, and they're turning green. They look good. they got nice sprouts, maybe half inch or so. But uh, between, uh, you know, between the fact that they could use a little more greening and the fact that, uh, you know, I get that uh, the operation coming up on Monday, I thought, well, let's put it off. <laughs> we can. There's plenty of time. And just keep remembering that that uh, our good friend uh, Ed Smith uh, said, you know, you should wait a while. It, it works out better. You know, fewer fewer uh, potato beetle, Colorado potato bugs. So um, I let myself uh, let myself put it off until next week. So anyway. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> I, I hope Nola was listening to her her the Lawrence's story about the hobble bush. <laughs> well, the woodman's TP. <laughs> yeah, one, uh, it, you know, everything serves a purpose, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> Some more obvious than others. <laughs> yes, and a season <laughs> for each one of them. <laughs> oh Lordy, you know it's. It's it's hard to it's hard to how to say uh, remember or think of. Uh, there certainly was a day when being out in the woods was part of your daily chores, you know, and uh, we were much closer to uh, you know to the to the cycles of of Mother Nature, you know, and and the uses for things that came up. I I love reading the the older books about the woods, you know, yeah. how they used uh, uh, popple, you know, the the popple trees we have here, and they use those actually surprisingly for floorboards and barns because they uh, they don't have hard knots in them, and then as they wear, they wear nice and even because you know a pine you know tree. 
uh, has a knots, and as the other parts wear, the knots become a uh, tripping hazard. Exactly, for, yeah. for, for animals and, yeah. for, and for people. And for people. Well, we have another caller on oh, the good. line, so uh, good. Uh, first name in town. <laughs> Hi, this is Mike in Waterbury. Hey, Mike, welcome aboard. What's okay. up? I've got a question about um, potting soil yeah. uh, from a store. Sure. Uh, it's... Uh, the tops of the pots are covered in a white mold or fungus of some sort. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if you know you know anything about that. If there's some way I can kill off the the mold without killing the rest of the plant. Yeah, right. Killing the rest of the plant. That's the. So let me ask you about the the potting soil you used. What was it? Was it a specifically starter mix or was it uh, um, just um, a, a soil? Uh, a seedling mix. It was seedling mix. That's very unusual for a seedling mix. Um, I would say the f- the first thing you do do is to let it dry out. It may be that you've overwatered, so it stays too wet all the time. Or are you using a mister to water? Uh, no, just pretty casual with dumping a little bit of water. You know, during the Little three inch pots with the holes on the bottom. Yeah. I figured it would drain well enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, well, start out and, by letting them dry out so that they look dry on the top. There'll still be moisture in the bottom, but wait until that time. And then the other thing is when you water, water from the bottom so that you take a, a bowl or a tray or something and set your three inch pot in there. And leave it in there for, oh, you know, 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, but then take it out so that the, the soil is then moist and the plant will use the moisture in the soil. But if you leave it in the water, it'll keep wicking up and, and that can cause problems. The other thing is I, I probably would try a different mix. I mean, there's, there's no reason that uh, something that's for seed starting should have any mold on it whatsoever. I mean, that's usually called, those are usually called a sterile mix because there's no, uh, nothing in there to grow mold. Now, if you read the label and it says there's manure in there or compost in there, then it's not really a good starting mix. I would, I would, you know, that mix with the manure or the compost in it is really for transplanting, not for starting seeds. So once your seeds are up uh, and you get your first true leaves, you, you can put it in with the with the the extra extra in it. Um, and let me see. So what can you put on there? Uh, I, I guess. What I have done is I usually squeeze a, some lemon or even a tiny bit of vinegar into the water and then soak that topsoil because uh, that should uh, kill whatever the, the uh, uh, you know, whatever the bacteria is that's growing there. And uh, that shouldn't affect your plant. But it should be a weak mix, you know, maybe a tablespoon and a gallon. So, you know, which would be... Uh, yeah, what would it be? It's about a teaspoon a quart, so not too much. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely try that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, or or lemon uh, juice uh, for that matter. Uh, did that ended up finding a different potting mix for? Uh, yeah, for I would try. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had good luck with the um, uh, Pro Mix and the um, oh, what's the other one? Lambert's. 
Both of those uh, seem to work real well, but just make sure that there's no um, compost or or uh, manure in them, and that that yeah, should serve you better. The label and, uh, doesn't say anything about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, heat moss, perlite, and an organic organic wetting agent. <laughs> well, that should be fine. Ordinarily, that should be fine. So it's probably just too much moisture. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Mike. Good luck. Let me know how it goes. Thank you. Yep. And then we have Randy. He's next. Hey, Randy. What's up? So um, I've been out in out in the garden myself. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I got an asparagus question. Did the drought last summer really affect? Should it have affected asparagus? Oh, could easily delay their the sprouting. That's for sure. Uh, do you water your uh, your yeah, asparagus? No, we've got a four by twenty bed. Oh, nice. And, and it's fed a couple families every year. Yeah. And all it, we've done this year is just had a couple feeds ourselves. Mm-hmm. And today I went out and pulled grass out, and well, there's a lot of. A lot of missing plants, if you will. Was well, that right? And well, maybe they just haven't poked their heads up yet. But. Well, that's a possibility. I I would give it a good watering, and I might even go ahead and put some uh, something high nitrogen in there, something like a blood meal or something. Not not too or or use a uh, fish, um, you know, the fish emulsion. Uh, right. You know, a couple tablespoons per per gallon, and then just soak the soil real good. We've never done anything. It's about a twelve yeah. or fifteen. Well, uh, you know, you you could be seeing the decline. You know, and yeah. this is a good time to to give it a little nourishment. And if you've never done anything, then you know it may be ex- exactly that you're seeing it. Uh, the the soil has sort of run out of good stuff. We've never put anything on. Yeah, yeah. Well, give that a shot because I, I, it sounds like you just uh, um, you've basically depleted the soil. Yeah, so there is uh, a number of the spears this year, like you know, pencil size. Uh huh. Yeah. Nice old cigar sized beauties. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I well then in that case I would probably use both a like a pro a pro grow um, you know dry fertilizer. And put that on accordingly. It's about a tablespoon per square foot a cup. Um, and then I would also soak the soil with a fish emulsion or even a fish and uh, seaweed emulsion um, because the seaweed is a great uh, root growth enhancer, and that's what you want to do. You want to give those things a, um, you know, a little extra energy. So the further question is, should I even consider or can I dig some up and incorporate them into the uh, one side of the bed and then and then till that other up and start on well I uh, yes you can you could do that um, you'll set back you'll, you'll sort of be starting over for, you know you'll have to leave it for a couple of years um, but I don't think you need to. I think all you need to do is, is feed it and then just take the places where you find out there are holes and then just, you know, dig a hole and pop them in. I wouldn't go so far. Would I? If, if you have a lot of grass there, yeah. though, you, you want to make sure you're putting a good mulch on there so you don't get grass. Oh, it's always had grass ever since the first year. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's it's a competitor. You know, that's a competitor. So yeah, if you if you can possibly keep the grass out, then that would be a lot better for for all. Well, good. Well, I retired last year, so now I've got a real job. <laughs> Gardening is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> you may go back to work. <laughs> well, congratulations on retiring, Randy. I admire that. See Monday come, because then it's back to retirement. See, right now i got the weekend off. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for the call. Thank I appreciate it. Let me know how it goes. I will. Thank you very much. <clears throat> sure. Um, we got another call. And is that uh, Elliot? Okay. All right. Hey, Elliot, are you there? Yeah, how are you? Oh, well, I'm good. How about yourself? <laughs> All good. How's I, things up I in God's country? so much. Yeah. Oh, good. I enjoy your program so much. Well, thank you. <laughs> I have uh, had many a creamy at the Morris Farm myself. I enjoy your oh, program, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a couple words that might be interesting to people. Sure. You mentioned using popple for floorboards in barns. That's right. And my grandfather, Sidney Moss, who's been gone many, many, many years, he always said to me, there's a saying, an old, old saying that if you use popple in a building, it will burn. <laughs> and sure enough, he was adding to my garage. I fixed Volkswagens uh-huh. in 1966. <laughs> All of a sudden, one day, uh, there was a fire, yeah. and I lost the whole garage. It burned to the ground. Yeah. And he had just used some popple to build in addition to it. <laughs> Don't build with popple, because if you do, it'll get real hot. <laughs> Can we use them and for floorboards? And that's all I have to add today. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, we've had to so, the folklore. Thank you very much, Elliot. Thanks for your call. You're very welcome. <laughs> Take care. So now we have Catherine in Moortown. Catherine, how are you today? I'm good. I bet you didn't know people listen to you. <laughs> well, I've always been hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were talking about the when you were talking about the balance of nature. Yes. Um, uh, one animal you forgot were the fisher cats. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, because they get our cats on a regular basis. Oh, sure. <laughs> but then, then on the popple issue, that yeah. isn't what I called you about. I called you about asparagus. But on the popple issue, they use that for furniture, and they also use it for caskets. Yeah. Yep. Yep. When I was did, uh, I did cabinet making down in Boston, and we used uh, popple for all the hidden, uh, you know, the, a lot of the structure of the of a cabinet, and sometimes like the back of the drawer and that kind of thing, just to save on. Particularly if we're using an exotic wood, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's a good strong wood, you yeah. know, and if it's uh, kilned right and and sawn right, it doesn't warp. But uh, you know, when you when you rough cut it, it does does tend to warp. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's, I didn't know that. But yeah, yeah. But then getting back to the asparagus, I think yeah. the old timers, when the first snow in the fall, yeah, and your asparagus had died down, they always sprinkled salt over it. Yes. Over the bed. Yeah. That was to keep down the weeds. To keep down that grass. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So that yeah. fellow that's 
got an asparagus bed full of grass, he might want to do that. Yeah, I, um, I've tried that, and, and um, it does work, and yeah. uh, it doesn't seem to affect the asparagus at all. And I'm glad you brought it up, because as Randy was telling me about the grass, I... It, it occurred to me, and then I forgot to mention it. So I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Uh-huh. And uh, I, th- I believe we use like a rock salt. Is uh-huh. that yeah? Yep. yeah. Well, just, I think any salt. Yeah. But, okay. But just, but just plain do it. Yeah. Don't wait. Don't wait till spring though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we did. We did it in the fall when everything died back, and then we yeah. put the and, salt on there. And now, Asparagus bed is to be cherished. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I wonder if maybe he should start over with his. Well, yeah, but I, I think it's just, I think just in that case, the soil was depleted. It just needs a, a kickstart, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, in that case, I probably would put on uh, uh, the the fertilizer probably every couple of weeks and spray with the, the fish emulsion. I think he'd see a, a rebirth there. Yep, yep. Well, he'd be glad. I We had an asparagus bed, and I wasn't using it, but we had a neighbor that went by, and she could see I wasn't using it. So yeah. she went out. I told her she could pick the asparagus, so yeah. she did. Well, my daughter lived in the house, and she saw this woman out there picking <laughs> the asparagus, and she thought, well, boy, that's pretty nervy. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know I had given her permission. <laughs> Okay, well, that's it from here. I get a kick out of listening to you fellas. Okay, Catherine. You get pretty silly. We do. We do. That's that's all right. We're guilty as charged. We do. Everybody needs a little bit of humor. (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more. Yes. That's That's what keeps us coming back as we actually enjoy doing this a lot. (laughs) And your call, this means a lot to me and all your calls. It just uh, makes it a lot, uh, makes it for a lot of fun anyway. Wouldn't you say, Joel? I I would. What, silly? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well. Am I silly? <laughs> right. Is the, is, is the Pope Catholic? Is <laughs> well, I said it. Guilty as charged. I think we do get pretty silly. But on the other hand, um, you know, gardening is uh, is an, an important and a serious on one vein. But on the other vein, it's just, you know... You you have to accept the fact that you were at the hands of the master. You know, Mother Nature doesn't always obey, <laughs> and we we have to listen and learn. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And so, so I think we've reached the uh, have we reached the, the, the pinnacle, the culmination, and yes. the. Uh, Yes, and the end as well. Of our silliness, yes. <laughs> yes <right. laughs> I blame that on you. <laughs> uh, guilt, uh, as you as to quote the great one, guilty as charged. Yeah. All right, so Joel. We will, uh, we will uh, keep you posted as to the upcoming schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should be back next week. I, I don't think there'll be any problem at all. Okay, great. And so, uh, thirty during the noon hour. I think the Red Sox are cooperating, so uh, that's the way it looks at this point. Oh, good. So we'll see. You next uh, week right here thanks Joel and I appreciate that you let us go over a little bit <laughs> oh, ne- ne- never, never a problem never okay. a problem and All right. we'll see you next week in yep. the garden yeah inch by inch row by row gonna make this garden grow all it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless
bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling in the garden, the fun, the important information, and the silliness, all brought to you by an array of fine sponsors we hope you patronize. Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. These Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm. Locally grown just for you, Main Street, Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston and St. Albans. By PNR Lumber, family owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch and compost you need. Route 15 in Walkett. By the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, Vermont, right there on Vermont Route 107. By Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust, one call does it all, at Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington. And Kate Farm, Coburn Road in East Montpelier, where today their plant sale is underway all day long. We will catch you next week at 1230 in the garden. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below, till the rain comes tumbling.